Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. We live in constant turmoil, nationally, internationally. Uh, every day, it's not just one or two things that change. It seems like there's a multitude of items that are in flux, and they're turning around upside down, inside out. And most of this interruption with normalcy is because of Donald Trump. He keeps doing things and changing things, and he just he doesn't realize actions have reactions, and things happen all over the world because of what he does. I look forward to the day, because we did not live like this under prior presidents, Democrat or Republican. We did not live like this. Uh, I look forward to the day when things are going to tone down and we have a different president because I can't believe we're ever going to have another president like Donald Trump. I think the people will be afraid to elect him unless it's 30 or 40 years from now and he's only a name in a history book. I'm going to talk tonight, not in my usual, oh, I'm mad fashion. I'm upset. I am upset, but I want to explain some things from my perspective. Uh, and I'm going to take you to certain places while I'm doing this. We're going to go to Washington tonight, South Bend, Indiana, Venezuela, Australia, Virginia, Key West, and Saudi Arabia. Let's start with Trump's budget proposal, which came out yesterday. This is his budget for the year. This is a big deal, friends. This is a very big deal. Now, let me start this way. The Republicans already are saying the Democrats have gone socialist. Watch out, because you know what socialism is. It's communism. I laugh as I say this. Uh, you, you have to understand, Democrats are liberals. They believe government is, has a responsibility to a degree to take care of the people. Uh, now, if you, you think the government's responsibility is too much, then you might be called a progressive. Progressive came into the terminology this past year with the new people coming in, uh, and that means they're further. They want the government to do more things. Some want universal health care. Some want free college. Some want college loans forgiven, et cetera, et cetera. And then we have socialists. We're into socialists now too. Uh, you have that uh, new uh, young lady who who is a congressperson from Staten Island. Uh, she lists herself as a democratic socialist, uses the word socialist. And what she stands for is moving to, and in many ways and instances, into socialism. Uh, we have Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, rather. He's a socialist. He's been a socialist for years. He was the ultra-left liberal. He wants government to do everything for everybody and must be the people are thinking that way now because he came close to getting the Democratic nomination in 2016. Don't forget that. And he's going to be in the fight this year. He may get it. Don't say no. He may get it. People like him. And he's already got his group together that are supporting him with workers and with money. So he's got a jump start on a lot of the other candidates. But I don't think the Democrats are socialists. Hear what I'm going to say. Socialism in this country, socialism as we understand it in the United States today, 
is only for the mega rich, the very rich, corporations and people. It's only for the very rich, the mega rich, and their kids and their grandchildren, okay? And where does this money come from? Because it's got to come from tax dollars. The government, look what happened last year with Trump's first budget. Look at the huge tax relief that he gave to the rich and the corporations. Added a trillion dollars to our national debt in one year. I thought Republicans were conservative. They didn't do this thing. They want to cut the budget back. And while I'm talking, never forget, the last time anyone uh, balanced the budget in the United States was Bill Clinton. You know, give credit where credit is due. Okay, so I think, I really believe they're the socialists because we seem to give everything to them. Now we have a new budget, $4.7 trillion. The, the, the biggest budget, it will, if it's passed in this form, and I don't think it will, but it's going to be close, the biggest budget in the history of the United States, $4.7 trillion. Now, it's got to come off the back of the poor. If he, and there are things built into this new budget, perks, et cetera, for the rich and the corporations. And this will and he's also given he's the military, my God, the military's getting a big ton of money in this thing. I, f- I forget how much it is, something like yeah, let's see, my bing 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 my notes here. It's huge. I, it's all, oh, 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 oh. He's going to give hold on. I apologize. I can't find it in my notes here. But whatever it is, it's more money than we've ever given to them. Oh, $750 billion increase to the military. The military budget this year is going to be $750 billion more than it has ever been. Uh, So we're going to give a lot of money to uh, bombs, tanks, and planes. And where are they going to get it from? Well, he says we got to cut Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. They always want to cut Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. It's a rhyme. It's a song. Uh, because the money's got to come from someplace. And look at these programs, these programs for the middle class, these programs for the poor. They're bleeding the treasury of the United States, okay? So that's where we're going to get the money. They're going to cut our money. That's your money and mine tax dollars that they're going to cut And they're going to move it over to the military because Trump says we need more bombs, tanks, and planes. He thinks because he's going to cut all, he's going to cut Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. We need less hospitals, schools, and safe roads and things like that. And food stamps for the very, very poor in this country. Uh, So what do we do? Uh, you can't cut like this, okay? He's cutting Medicare $845 billion, Medicaid $241 billion, Social Security they just keep cutting and they never give you a figure anymore. Let me share with you the story of Social Security. Uh, I've written about this over the past several years, seven, eight years ago I started writing about it. I wrote two lengthy articles to a local newspaper in Key West, Conk Life, saying that the Social Security Trust Fund, that's where our money goes, that they take out of your paycheck and they uh, they deposit for Social Security. The government keeps borrowing from that money and never pays it back. Let me put it in perspective. The government, our government, when they need money, they borrow from Social Security. Uh, you think, most people think, China is our biggest creditor, okay? 
China is our biggest creditor. We owe $1.8 trillion to China out of our $22 trillion national debt. Well, China isn't our biggest creditor. Our biggest creditor is Social Security. The government of the United States owes the Social Security Trust Fund $2.8 trillion. $2.8 trillion. Hell of a lot bigger than even China. $2.8 trillion. Now, what's the story behind this? And this story I'm going to share with you, many of you uh, may not be aware of it, some of you will. I guarantee you that most people in Congress and most people in the United States Senate do not know this story, do not understand this story. All they say, we've got to save Medicare, we've got to cut Medicare, we've got to save Social Security, we've got to cut Social Security. Here's what happened back in the 1980s. Let me start this way. Social Security has always been financially stable. We're into the 1980s now, and even now it's financially stable. We're into the 1980s. Social Security was taking in more money every day than it's ever needed, anytime. So now in the bank, the money they don't send out in checks to, to those of us who now get Social Security, like me, it built up. There was a big amount of money left in the trust fund, and it's drawing interest, and Solvent? You have no idea how solvent will be. We would be $2.8 trillion more solvent today in the Social Security Trust Fund if Ronald Reagan didn't grab the money. i got to say it that way. Reagan had promised the people uh, when he uh, was campaigning for, in his, for his first term that he was going to cut taxes and cut them dramatically. He found he couldn't during those four, first four years. So he had to look around where to find money. And he said, hey, look at all that money sitting in the Social Security Trust Fund. Already it was over a trillion dollars. He says, nobody's using that money. That's a disgrace. And let me say this. Anytime any government agency has too much money, the central agency, the central administration, they'll find a use for it and grab it and never pay it back. But here's what happened. He said, we're going to take that money. We're going to borrow it. The United States is going to borrow from the Social Security Trust Fund all excess monies. Now, understand what I'm going to say. I say it this way because most people don't know. Money comes in every day to Social Security. And every day they don't need all the money that comes in. And what it doesn't come in automatically goes, so to speak, to the United States Treasury. And Reagan says, we'll do this. We'll take all that money. Then I can cut taxes, which he did. And he said, "We." this is all legal, by the way, what they did. There's all paperwork on this. He says, we'll give them a note. We'll give Social Security a note. In the note, we'll say, the United States has an obligation to pay this money back. Well, what they say, in effect, is it's a moral obligation. Because the note that the government gave Social Security and continues to operate under is not like a bank note. You you sign it, the bank gives you money, you got to pay it back with interest. No, it doesn't work like that. They take the money out. It's not considered a note you can the Social Security Trust Fund can take to the bank. They can't. It's like an IOU. That's all it is. It says we borrow the money, we owe it, and someday if we want or we, we think we can, we'll pay it back. That, my friends, that's the $2.8 trillion 
that Social Security is in debt. And that's the money the government has swiped from the Social Security Fund since Reagan's days, and they continue to do it on a daily basis today. I'll bet you Trump doesn't even know this, all right? So what they should do is pay that money back. Now, I know our government's broke. They can't pay $2.8 trillion back in one lump sum. Someone, I wrote an article, I read an article, not wrote three or four years ago, where someone suggested, let's look at this debt, because it's the biggest debt the United States has that's part of this $22 trillion they're always talking about. Let's, let's take this debt, and what we're going to do with it, we'll, we'll, let's consider it like a mortgage. And we'll have a 30-year payback plan. And if they pay it back over a period of 30 years, the federal government to the Social Security Trust Fund, it will be paid back, and Social Security won't be in trouble. No one can say it's in trouble. It's going to have more money than it's ever going to need. Uh, but they aren't going to do that because the federal government is getting this money for free. Wouldn't you like to go to the bank and borrow all the money you wanted, whenever you wanted, and it became so good that the bank just starts sending you that, those checks every day. Uh, and you can pay You really don't have to pay it back unless you want to. What a wonderful world that would be. Uh, so that's what we should do. And we're not doing anything like that. No one talks about paying back. Now, in spite of the fact the government has stolen, that's the proper word, I, I fear not using it, the, pro, the federal government has stolen, under the guise of legitimacy, uh, $2.8 trillion from the Social Security Trust Fund. Uh, the, the fund, Social Security, is still solvent. Every day the government is grabbing more money because there's extra money every day in the Social Security Trust Fund. That's how much money goes into that fund every day from the money they take out of our taxes. We're nowhere near, we're nowhere near going on, down. We're nowhere failing. Social Security is going to fail. Yes, they say. It may, they talk now in 10 years, 17 years. The years, whoever you, whatever economist you're talking to, the years are always different. But they say, oh, at this point in the future, 10 years, 14 years, because of the baby boomers. We've got a lot more people soon to go on Social Security. It's going to destroy the Social Security Trust Fund. It's a crack. Don't believe it. It's still solvent because people will still be sending money in. It's, uh, we're being used. We've been used since the 1980s under Reagan. We've been manhandled. And I say we because that's our money, our tax dollars. They took it out of our paychecks over the course of our working lifetime, and we paid it because we knew it was going to give us some small pension fund uh, when we retired. But they're abusing it, misusing it, and uh, that's the story on, so, on uh, Social Security. And if you didn't know, I'm glad you know it now. And someday somebody's got to do something about it. But no one in Washington that should know, like senators and congresspeople, know or understand. Or somebody would say, hell, give me back our money, okay? All right, that's the story that this whole budget, I think, is very poor. It's just the beginning. This is what he wants. You know what else he wants in this budget? Oh, my God. Guess what? He wants $8.7 billion for the wall. $8.7 billion for the wall. 
Now, this wall thing, I'm laughing and I'm smiling as I, I, I comment at this moment, uh, because that price of that wall has gone up and down over the period from the campaign for the presidency through last year and this year. We've had all kinds of numbers as low as 1.3, uh, was a billion, 1.3 billion to 26 billion somewhere. Uh, he's gotten some, not as much as he would like. I think he's gotten a total of seven or eight billion. He wants 8.7 billion more for this wall. I'll tell you what the wall reminds me of, and the way he asked for money, actually, for the wall. In the playground, the kids are on the seesaw. It goes up and down, up and down. And he comes up with a figure out of the thin air when he's doing another piece of financial work that he's going to submit saying what he wants, and the number will go up, the number will come down. He doesn't know what he's doing. Sorry to say it, but it's true. Long comments on that budget. I hope you took heed to my Social Security comments. They are correct. All right? They are correct. Uh, And it's an absolute shame. It's more of a shame because they aren't telling the people of the United States. Not everyone is that sophisticated. They find out what's happening to our Social Security uh, monies or where they go and are we really going to go under and all this sort of thing. Now, I was watching television yesterday. We got a lot of Democratic candidates for president. My God. And we're going to have more. They're not all in there uh, yet. And a lot of the big ones aren't in, like Joe Biden. I watched a young man. He's only 37 years old, being interviewed yesterday on one of the TV channels. I've got to tell you something. I was so impressed. He has impressed me more. And I'm impressed with people like Joe Biden. I'm impressed with the senator, uh, the lady senator, what's her name, out of California. Even Elizabeth Warren, she she knows what she's doing. She may, you know, shout and scream a little bit, but she knows what she's doing. Uh, She's screwed because she she pitched she was an Indian at one time. Uh, But there are people out there who are extremely smart. Uh, But this fellow, he knew how to speak. Uh, His thought process was excellent. Uh, no one, excuse me, is going to bullshit this guy. Uh, that's all I can say. And his name is, I'm not going to pronounce his last name correctly, but it's Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buck Buttigieg. It's spelled B-U-T-T-I-G-I-E-G. Okay, thank you. It's a difficult name to pronounce. He's the mayor. He's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. You say, what the hell is the mayor going to do being president? Well, he's been mayor for seven years. Let me give you the background on this guy. He is young, okay? But if he was 41, I wouldn't feel bad. 37 is a little young. But people are going to be taken by him during the campaign. He could well win a few states. Uh, No question in my mind, he would handle himself well in a debate. He could handle Trump. And he could handle Trump without yelling or screaming. But make Trump look like an ass whenever Trump says something. This guy thinks well. He's a Harvard graduate. Rhodes Scholar. You like that? And he's a veteran. He served in Afghanistan. How many? This is good. I'm glad we're getting veterans back in the play here. A lot of them are running for office because they see what's wrong and they want to change it. He has, he's gay. (laughs) 
he's the first gay ma- uh, mayor in the United States. <laughs> he's gay. He's openly gay. Uh, he and his husband were married in 2018. Uh, so that's the background on the fella. We're in a new world. We're in a new day. Uh, same-sex marriages don't seem to bother anyone anymore. They bother some people, but it's the law of the land. Uh, and he just, we have a gay mayor down here in Key West now, a woman. It's, that's just the way it is. And this is the way the world is. And this is part of the changing world that the United States that we are going through. Keep an eye open for this guy. He's a little guy. He looks 27 and not 37, by the way. He is articulate. He's smart. He's charming. What else can I tell you? Pete Buttick Gig, <laughs> which now in Venezuela. We're, we're getting bullshitted. I got to say it. We're getting bullshitted. I I have been following Maduro for at least five years, religiously. Anytime his name pops up in a newspaper that I follow or on the Internet, I read what's happening there in Venezuela. And here's the story. You know, right now, all of a sudden, we're very concerned. Trump's concerned. It's a humanitarian crisis. These people don't have enough to eat. And, my God, the power's out. He didn't care. The power's been it was out for months in Puerto Rico. The power's out. Would you believe this? Three weeks now. Uh, <laughs> and I have written and said recently, and I will say it here again, Trump don't care about. And he's also going to invade Venezuela because we can't have a fellow like Maduro. He can't run the country properly. He don't care about the people of Venezuela. What he cares about is the oil. Venezuela has the, the largest oil reserves in the world. Russia wants the oil. We want the oil. Russia sucking up to Maduro. They're in bed together. Trump made a mistake. He should have gone down and sucked up to Maduro instead of threatening him being a bully. Already, Maduro, see, there's like a state oil company that controls most of the oil in Venezuela. Maduro, about two weeks ago, moved the offices for the state oil company, the Venezuela State Oil Company, to Moscow. To Moscow. Thank you, Donald Trump. You did it again. You screwed something up. Let let me tell you why this food thing. I'm sure the people are starving. They've been starving for five years. When I started following, and this is the reason I started following Maduro, uh, it's because... They didn't have any food, and the people of Venezuela were eating their pets, their dogs and their cats, yes, and their horses. And when they ran out of their pets, they broke into zoos and killed the animals and fought for chunks of meat, and they ate all the animals in the zoo. This is news. This is five years ago. This isn't recently. And then they went out and they ate the shrubbery and the grass. Then they dug through the earth to pick up roots, and the women would boil them and make some kind of a soup or hash out of it, whatever they could. They started eating. Most of the people in Venezuela have trained themselves to only eat every other day, and it's one large meal, uh, which doesn't consist of much. Babies, newborn babies, they didn't have any milk. They didn't have any formula. The women made some kind of a mush that got into a liquid, and they fed it to the babies, but they did not feed the babies except every other day, too. They trained the babies to wait. Isn't this a shame? This all happened five years ago. 
Where was the United States then? Where was all these countries in the world that are worried about uh, poor Venezuela? Now Donald Trump comes into the picture. All of a sudden he wants to help them. He doesn't care about them because he doesn't care about people. It's obvious. He wants the oil for the United States, and he screwed up. Russia's in there. Russia's friends. Uh, now he, he And he also backed this guy that was elected by Congress that has no authority to elect the president in Venezuela. I follow everything down there. And so we're backing the president, the wannabe president, and most of the other countries is going to kick Maduro out as president unless they control the army. Now, Venezuela is no different than any other corrupt government. The people at the top have food to eat. It's the people, people who are not eating. The government officials and the officers in the army and the army themselves, they eat three squares a day. These people eat. And do you think that they? there's no revolution in Venezuela without the army? The generals have to lead it, turning on Maduro. Do you think they're going to turn on Maduro? They got it made. They're as corrupt as him. They're eating big. They're going to go to this new guy who's going to be influenced by the United States, Donald Trump, and I don't know who else. And they're going to lose the little perks they have. They're living good. No way. Maduro will be there next year and the year after. And that's the story on Maduro, which now brings me to this is lovely. This is lovely. Uh, I'm not going to give any much stuff in tonight. I've already used 25 minutes up. I apologize. But that thing on Social Security is very important. Was and is. Remember the story in the, in the Bible, Jonah and the whale. Uh, the whale ate Jonah. <laughs> and Jonah got away afterwards. He got thrown out, spit up, I don't know. Uh, whatever what way, Jonah did not die. And it's the story of Jonah and the whale. Well, you say, maybe it's true. Maybe it isn't. It's in the Bible. It should be true. Um, but today, today, this past month, in Australia, a whale. Yes. Oh, I'm laughing again. This is horrible. But the story's fantastic. A whale swallowed a guy. Here's the story. His name is Rainier Schmidt, S-C-H-I-M-P-F. He, he's in the water filming fish all the time. This is what he does for a living. And he and his group were out filming sardines, beds of sardines. Well, sardines are eaten by whales, sharks, and all other types of big fish. Never been concerned about whales because whales don't come near human beings. They're afraid of them. Sharks are the concern, and so they're always looking out for sharks while they're filming the sardines and other small fish. This is off, and he's off the coast. He lives in Australia. What happened is off the coast of South Africa, near the port of Elizabeth Harbor. Port of Elizabeth Harbor. All of a sudden, this whale comes up, okay, and opens his jaws and engulfs, engulfs Rainier head first. All right, head first. This was a 20 tons, T O N N E S, bride's whale. B-R-Y-D-E-S. Uh, Rainier said he had no time for fear. He never was afraid. He, he says, you only react. All I could do was react. I wasn't afraid. I knew I had to do something react. Now, he's in the throat of the whale. 
the whale's sides are pushing at him, his body, crushing his body, and the the toughest or the hardest uh, push or whatever is in his hips. He's in there head first, by the way. He decides he's got to hold his breath because he thinks this big whale's going to dive, and when he dives, he'll expel him. And he's got to hold his breath so he's got enough breath to get back up. Well, the whale didn't do it that way. What the whale did was he didn't like he didn't like Rainier. I guess he decided I don't want this guy all the way in my tummy, and he, as uh, Rainier says, he spat me out. That's G-A-T. He spat me out. Now I find this all very interesting. God bless this man. He survived, uh, and that's the story that just happened. And it's the story from the Bible too of Jonah and the whale. Well, my friends, that's the story from Lewis for this week. I, I thank you for joining me. I'm disappointed I was going to talk about crying pays and Paul Manafort and the, the deal he got on his first sentencing, but that's for another time. Uh, again, I thank you for joining me. I look forward to being with you next week. Uh, please keep listening to me. Tell your friends you must be. I keep saying this every week, but it's true. My numbers are going up. I love this show, and I love you people for listening. Thank you again. I'll be with you next week.